As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to the Get In Podcast, presented by Fourth and Duth, brought to you by EagleInsider.com and Armchair Media, Season 4, Notre Dame Week. Good teams know how to win ugly, and that's exactly what the Eags did on Saturday. Squeaking by Syracuse by a score of 16-13. to BC improves to 5-3 and on the year, avoids an embarrassing loss to one of the worst teams in college football history, and gives Coach Half plenty of mistakes to correct in practice this week. On today's episode, we'll recap what went wrong versus the Orange, bring back our pal Sean Sylvia, and preview the Notre Dame fighting Frenchman rolling into town on Red Bandana this Saturday. Matt, this, this strange year that has been the 2020 football season continues to roll on. On the whole, I don't know about you, but I'd say I'm having an awesome time so far. I don't know your thoughts just through the first yeah, six or seven games. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Matt. It's, again, we talked about this at the outset. Yeah, this this should be, on paper, a three-win team, right? The fact that we're five and three, we need to be very, very happy with that, especially when you consider how many wins are left on the board. You talk about UNC, you talk about could have been, put it could have been against Clemson. Virginia Tech will write off as a loss, but these guys are in the hunt to be even much better than five and three. So I think we have to be thrilled with it. And uh, let's see if we can get to seven. I think that's a, that's a good goal. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think with that, Saturday was – on the opposite side, just insanely boring and not fun. And, you know, we'll talk Clemson a bit later. I think that took about 10 years off my life. But in a weird way, that's kind of where the fun is, is that, A, we're in all of these games. And then, B, the games that we should win by 100 end up being very close games. Texas State, the same exact thing. So it's every Saturday is is at least an event. And I think that's kind of all you can ask out of the – out of the halfway era, I don't, 2020 is just weird. It just kind of is what it is. It's, it's, it's an optimistic way of looking at I guess. us playing down to our opponents. Yep. Like it, it, really, it really is something to behold that we play up and down to our opponents. We're so volatile based on the opponent. Texas State's a great example. Syracuse is a great example. Um, even even the first half at Duke, right? I mean, that's an awful team. But then you look at the other side, and it's you know it's it's Clemson, right? And it's what we will do this weekend. And I don't know, man. I'm, uh, it does keep us entertained, but it, uh, it's taken years off our life as well. Now, Matt, you would think that seven games into the season is it six? Or, I keep saying is it six or seven? We're seven games in. That's eight now. Oh, it's eight. Like, are we on? Yeah. You know what? You're absolutely right. We're, we're, we're five and three. Yep. I'm pretty Hands sure. Hands up. It's not six. So you would think, Matt, that eight games into the season, we would now have a better feel for this and our gambling record would be better in games that BC plays in. Uh, but there is a very clear correlation between when we play good teams, we win our bets. When we play bad teams, we lose our bets badly. With that said, Matt, football season, as we know, is in full swing at this point. 
All the teams are shredding their stuff, including BC, when we play good opponents. You might not be at a game this year if you're a BC fan, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook expert. Matt, I think that you and I had talked before Saturday. We found an adjusted line for BC minus, what was it, like 25 at like plus 300? 20, 23 and a half. Yeah, I thought we were going to put our, you know, our, our, our generations of, of fourth and dude uh, offspring through college with that bet. And mm. it turns out that's not the case. What happened on Saturday? Yeah, I'll tell you what. Before we get to the game, Matt, I do just want to say I like the delayed ad read. It sort of reminds me of, you know how in the town where they roll the credits, but they, you know, first they do the whole bank robbery yep, scene exactly. and then Claire walks to the water and like then they roll the credits yeah. and it's really cool. So is, that's kind of how you just did that ad read. So that was uh, that was cool. I appreciate that. Is the town the only movie you've seen? It feels like that's kind of your, your point of reference when we talk <laughs> film here. You could, I mean, the town just comes up. Yeah, it it's it's no, one it of those movies that's just, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a generational film and it, it's a big part of my everyday life. Shout out to, to Chucky Town. Shout out to Affleck and, and just shout out to everything. Cause it's honestly the fact that that didn't win an Oscar and we'll save that for another episode, but like it's an abomination. The town, best movie of all time. Uh, that's all I have to say about that. Matt. I have no notes on the game. Okay. I didn't watch the game. Typically, I did watch the game. Oh, let, me, let me start there. I watched the game. I did not rewatch the game. Typically, I do a rewatch and I'll take notes. I could not bring myself to rewatch that performance. I just refused. Once was more than enough. Um, I never want to think about that again. But like we just said, good teams find a way to lose or find a way to win when the going gets tough and they don't. And they bring their C minus game. They find a way to pull out a victory. And I, th- I think that's the takeaway. Um, but certainly a lot to work on and certainly a result, as you just said, that I don't think we saw coming, uh, coming into Saturday against a really, really terrible Syracuse team that's pretty much given up on, on the season at this point. Yeah, it, it was honestly insanely confusing. I mean, there is no metric where we should frankly even be on the same field as these guys. Now, that said, I think we've talked about before and, and you know, we'll, we'll get into it when we talk Notre Dame in a bit. But I do think there is a huge element of a Clemson hangover. And when you play a, a number one team. As close as we did, I mean, I'm sure that game took a ton out of these guys physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, what have you. And also, I think you're, you know, maybe not as as sharp on game prep, I would imagine, after, you know, a performance like that where they were really pushed to the wire. Maybe you get, you know, Monday off or something like that. I don't know how that all works. But I do think there's a huge element there that, you know, frankly, no one was really considering going into this game, I don't think. Uh, and I think we thought that, that you know, and, and we were ended up being correct that with the talent we have, we'd still find a way to win. But in hindsight, it's not all that shocking that a game sandwich between Clemson and Notre Dame ended up being a complete, you know, zombie walkthrough out of our out of our team. Yeah, and I, and we should have seen that coming. And there are advanced stats out there that I think it was David Hale, one of those guys, that basically quantified the Clemson hangover and said, um, you know, you're more likely to put up X number of points as your control group compared to after you play Clemson. It's like a 15 point difference. So. Um, it's a real thing, and, and hopefully we'll get to Notre Dame, but hopefully we're a benefactor of that. Of course, it might be a little bit different. So they're, they're riding the high from the W, so it might be a little bit different. But, um, you know, I think it's it's a real thing. It's so hard to get geared up for a big opponent and then, you know, have to have to switch and have to play a team that, you know, you, you talk about Syracuse. Like like we were saying, they stunk to begin with. What are they, 1-7, 1-8? 1-6 going in, right. They lost their only good players. They didn't have many good players to begin with, but they lost uh, DeVito, their quarterback. They lost their good uh, Cisco, their good uh, D-back. Um, those guys either opted out or they're injured. Who knows? 
um, and the team quit like four weeks ago. They've given up 38-plus points each of their last four games coming into that game, and so obviously it, it starts with the offense. The fact that we only put up 16 points, this is now six straight quarters where our offense has looked pretty awful when you go back to the second half of Clemson where they uh, put up the goose egg. Um, you know, let's let's start with the positives, though. The O-line looked really, really good right. for really the first time in, in a while. Um, there were wide open holes, and this is my, this is my half full, is how the, the O-line played. Um, wide open holes in the run game, zero sacks allowed, only three tackles for loss allowed. It's really the elite offensive line that, that we were hoping to see all season. Um, David Bailey took full advantage. He loves playing in that dome. He was running, you know, getting solid yards after contact. And, um, you know, the run game that I keep saying week after week after week has to show up eventually, you know, granted at Syracuse, but they, they finally started to show up. Um, and maybe that's who we are. Maybe we can dominate. We're playing lesser opponents like Syracuse and they played, you know, they played well against Georgia Tech. Um, it's, it's going to be a whole different ball game trying to do it against, uh, Notre Dame's elite front seven though. So, um, so that's the good news is, uh, you know, they certainly looked better than they have in a while from the run game standpoint, the pass game. And, and we should probably talk about this because yep. I, I don't, I don't know what other way to explain it other than I think Jericho is maybe concussed. I think he's banged up. He, yeah. he got hurt, it, you know, in the in, in the Clemson game at some point because he just he hasn't been himself. And it's it's simple as that. Yeah, he it's it's it was since that late hit. I think it was in the fourth quarter, but it might have been in the third where he just got absolutely sandwiched on a. I think it was a scramble. He's about five yards past the yeah. line of scrimmage when, and fell when, hard on his non. When Denny shoulder. came in, yep, exactly. When yeah, so came with like seven minutes to yeah, go exactly, in the fourth. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, I agree. And then we saw even even later in the game, he was he did look a little bit off in Clemson. Uh, I think you texted it to me. He looked a lot like Henry Roengarder after the arm gets fixed, where yeah. he's just kind of blacking out and just throwing the ball as, as hard as he can. And again, the guy can throw it an absolute mile. So to me, it does not in any way seem like a an issue with his throwing arm, uh, and which makes sense because the hit, I guess, was he landed on his not throwing arm. But that obviously will still throw off the balance of a quarterback or it's something between the years, which you know, you'll like to think in 2020 would not be the case because, you know, I think I do think at a school like BC, especially, you know, concussions are something that would be taken very seriously. So I want to be clear that... Yeah. I do not think that he is he is concussed, but I do think that there is some lingering yeah, I pain guess there. It, it's a fair point. I shouldn't. I guess we shouldn't say that. We shouldn't speculate that. But like, it seems to be, something's like, off. Depth something's per- off. Perception. Thing. Right. Something is off. Yeah. I, I don't think there's not, any question. And again, by the way, but he's still he's still slinging it around though. So that's why I don't think it's like an, an arm injury. Like right. that throw to Zay was on the on a, on a dot. Yeah. Like that was an absolute rope. So I don't think that he's concussed. I and mean, he's throwing it a, a mile, but he's overthrowing receivers. You know, by fifty yards, like it's, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, by like, the way, I mean, it, it could be honestly as simple as a you know just a, a bad day, and I, I think we shouldn't look past yeah. that. I mean, think about again. You're an athlete. I'm sure you've had days where your three is not dropping as often as it as it normally does. Not, not often. Yeah, I'm usually well, pretty well. Sure, but every now and then you have your morning, and I don't think it's a concussion or an injury. It's just you know you're off. Maybe you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. So you know, I think that mm-hmm. I think that we should certainly hope. And and by the way, of all people looking ahead to this week. I mean, he's obviously at the top of that list. Like, this game has been circled on his calendar literally for, you know, I guess not years because he only transferred recently, but months at this point. So if there was a game for him to just be a little out of it, a little funk, maybe he didn't sleep all the night before, whatever, I think it was this one. And and I'm not ultimately that worried about it, but we have said for a million times our offense is Phil at this point. So we need him to be 100% to have any shot, you know, any shot on Saturday or, uh, you know, really much success the rest of the way. Yeah, and, and and there's no question about that, and I and I fully agree with you. I just, it it makes you better appreciate 
how electric he was, you know, earlier on in the season against Clemson in that first half and against, you know, even going all the way back to Duke. Like, he really has been making incredible plays consistently. So, um, you know, maybe there's a bit of an overreaction when he's not, like, a Heisman caliber player, right? Um, Because some of those throws that he made, you know, earlier on in the season were, you know, absolutely elite. So um, maybe he's coming back down to earth a little bit and and playing at that high level isn't sustainable. Um, I also think, and you started to touch on this, and and I don't want to go too negative here, but um, I've sort of been saying it all season is I hate how our offense is solely dependent on whether Jerk and, and Zay Flowers can sort of bail out the predictability. And this, this is where I'm going to hate on Frank Signetti a little bit because, I mean, this offense, I don't think they've, they've broken the 30 mark in regulation, yep. right? I think yep. they broke 30 versus Pitt, and that's it in yep. overtime? Yeah, exactly. I think that's right. Well, what do we have against? No, the, what do they have against Clemson? Uh, remember, we, we scored 28 in the first half and then didn't score oh, again. You know yeah, you're right, Matt. I forgot about that. And by the way, seven of those were defensive. So, um, you know. The defense, and, and I'll get to the defense in a second, but the the offense statistically, and I keep saying this, we're a bottom three ACC offense. And it it does seem like that is a point that's being missed by a lot of people because everyone's saying, I'm so glad Daz is gone. We're not running the ball anymore. We're throwing it. And that's great. We're hitting on big plays. But, um, you know, we're also not able to sustain drives as a result. Okay, I want to be and very, we're very going, we're clear. Going, I want to be very clear that, that you are not saying that you wish we still had Adazio. Just want to make sure there could have been some confusion in the way you said that. I want to just make sure we're on the record there. No, I think people are, are so used to the Adazio offense and they wanted to break away from it so badly. And now we're throwing the ball 70% of the time. And it's not the most creative play calling in my unprofessional opinion. Um, and it allows defense to key on key off on us much like Brent Venables did at halftime. I think that's a perfect way to describe it, right? We have not that, our offense is predictable. It's as simple as that. Brett Venables saw that, made those halftime adjustments, and we didn't come close to scoring the rest of the way. And we're, we're seeing that as a trend where defenses are able to game plan against us, and we go three and out a shitload of times as a result. And I continue to think that <laughs> the offensive play calling is not setting our guys up to succeed. And it's, you know, we, we hit on some big plays to Zay. But if that doesn't happen, we have a really, really bad offense. And, you know, it, it's, you know, it, where it's because we're straight away from the, the run game. And, um, you know, just in general, I, I just I don't have a lot of faith that it's going to be our defense that's going to win it next weekend if we have any chance against Notre Dame. And that's a shame because we have so much firepower on offense. Yeah, I don't know if I'm completely that negative because, again, I think I do think that while it maybe is not as sustainable as we might like, that big playability is still enough to win us a lot of football games and keep us in every football game. I mean, at a, at a bad, Yeah, but what if we weren't one dimensional? And what if what if we could design an offense that complemented our line and our other skill players and wasn't just jerk out, throw it deep, see what happens? Because when he's off, like he was on Saturday, then we're screwed. Yeah. All right. Well, look, I don't disagree with you, but let's let's keep it moving here because we obviously have a uh, a much bigger uh, game on our horizon than we had last Saturday. I just have uh, a couple quick uh, half full, half empty. Half full, survive in advance. That's what good teams do. Like we said, the down is just a letdown game. Having letdown games just stink. They're not fun. They're boring. You know, we know they're going to come. And then, Matt, this one uh, I think is you'll agree with. So it's a half full that basketball season is basically upon us. We're like a week or two away from tip-off. Is it? Schedule's been released. They're doing kind of a pod system at Mohegan Sun. Shout out Connecticut. Shout out Mohegan Sun where there's a bunch of Northeast teams playing. But, Matt, here's the half empty part. We are going to just get massacred on opening night by number two Villanova on national TV. And I just expect that to kind of be the, the way this year goes. I, 
I hate to be so negative. I just I have I have nothing that I have seen over the last decade tells me that Jim Christian is going to be able to figure it out this year, despite the talent that we continue to bring in. It's not on the players at a certain point. He he continues to bring in good talent. I think that's on Spinelli to bring in those guys, but he just does nothing with it. So we've got a lot of good young guys. We got Winston Tabs coming back. So, you know, another coach, I think this could be a good team and maybe they will win in spite of Jim Christian, but I do not see uh, a super positive year coming on the hardwood. Hey, listen, I, I think I think it's a great silver lining that we're finally going to schedule some some tough non-conference opponents. And this way, you know, we'll lose to, to Villanova and Missouri, who I think we just scheduled instead of instead of losing a Sacred Heart and, and Nickel State. So, you know, it's a nice change of pace. We'll actually lose to some, you know, we'll have some good losses, right. I guess, as opposed to embarrassing losses. Um, our record will probably be around the same. Um, and it, I just think it's funny how every year, and you look at the message boards and it's it's right on schedule around October. People start saying, "Hey, we get we got one or two good players on this team. This 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 could be a tournament team if everything falls falls correctly." And I just I I think back of the days where I was that optimistic, and I actually thought that there was a chance of that happening. Um, and it just it, it kind of warms my heart a little bit. Um, you got to talk. I mean, there's no one on a, on a hotter seat than Jim Christian, if nothing else, but for the fact that how Coach Halfley has rejuvenated this right. fan base. I mean, if you're Pat Kraft, you got to see that and be like, holy, holy cow. I mean, we just got to we got to hire the right guy. And um, this is a fan base that will come to play and come, come to cheer on the fans if we put any type of piece in place for them to do so. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. So it's it's here. We'll hope for the best. I will say that if uh, Hawkins didn't go down, what, two years ago, that was a tournament team. But the point remains that that's not enough to save Jim Christian's job. I think we would all agree on that. Uh, Matt, do you want to quickly give your dude of the week? I'll give mine, and then we'll uh, give our old buddy Sean a call and, and talk through Clemson and Notre Dame. Yeah, sounds good. Um, I just want to give the the entire defense another shout-out, specifically Sachs Richardson. Um, he held that game together. He had a couple sacks. He had, you know, 10 plus tackles again. He, I think he still leads the nation. Pretty much, pretty sure he leads the nation in solo tackles. Um, you know, not a big deal there. And especially important because McDuffie went down. We'll talk about McDuffie when we play, when we talk Notre Dame, but, um, the fact that, that he was able to hold that unit together when the offense kept shooting themselves in the foot. Um, you know, the number of, of drives that, that they were able to stop and the turnovers that they forced. There was a couple, uh, back to back turnovers late in the fourth. Um, you know, the defense, I, I continue to have the highest appraises for this defense. And, um, you know, they're the reason we won that game on Saturday. So um, shout out to them. Shout out to Sachs. And uh, they got a big test upcoming against Notre Dame's run game. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can keep it going. Hopefully the offense chips in eventually. Yeah, no, I think that's that's spot on. Again, those two turnovers down the stretch. I won't say they necessarily won us the game because outside of the final drive, Syracuse wasn't really moving the football, but certainly put us in a much more comfortable position. Um, I'm going to keep my due to the week on the ground and go with David Bailey. Poured on another 125 yards. Levy added on, I think, 75, so he could just as easily share this title with him. But it does feel good to have a run game again. And I think we knew we'd get here. And, and, and sure, you know, Syracuse is, is obviously not the most formidable front seven that we'll face. Um, but there's just too much talent in the running back room as well as in the offensive line for these guys to not figure it out over the course of the year. And maybe it took a little longer than we wanted, but – this is, I think, what we started to expect uh, out of this BC team coming into this year. So if this is something that can get going and we can really move the ball on the ground, open things up a little bit more for Phil in the air, I, I do think that we're going to be dangerous throughout the you know remaining uh, games on our schedule here. No question. A win is a win. And we're 5-3 and three with a chance to go 8-3, and 9-3, and three, including the Bowl. And, uh, not the, yeah, fem- not I, the I Fenway Bowl, man. That's, that's a shame, huh? 
It is. Yeah. As always next year. Yeah. All right. Let's give our good friend Sean Sylvia a call. Before we do, another quick word from our sponsors. Matt, football is in full effect. Many teams, including the Eagles, are starting their stuff. You might not be at a BC game this year, but your cutouts are, and you can still be in on all of the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. Game spreads, totals, team, player, coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantages of all the great sign up bonuses. And listen up, fellas, because today we have a – it's not a new product alert. We mentioned it before, but if you haven't listened in a couple of weeks, a new Manscaped product alert just released a few weeks ago, the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Take a look in the mirror, and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and, ear and nose hair looking as nice as the rest of your body. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which we all love, and it prevents nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000, that's 9,000 RPM motor-powered, 360-degree rotary dual-blade engine. Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience, and it is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. The only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium-ion battery that lasts for up to 90 minutes of use. I swear to God, this could be made by like Apple with the amount of technology they're pouring into this. Have you ever pulled your nose hair out with your fingers? There's nothing more painful in the world than that. So go to the Weed Whacker and make your whacking your weeds a time to look forward to, to deliver maximum confidence while providing hygiene. And Matt, yes, you will get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. It's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with the Weed Whacker. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Matt, what are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. Let's give Sean a call. All right. Uh, we have special guest Sean Sylvia in studio. Sean, what's happening? Long time, no talk. How are things? How was, uh, how was Clemson? Yeah, man, I miss you guys. Uh, definitely miss you guys. Um, got a lot of people asking me about the pod and, and when, we're gonna, when I'm going to get back on it. I've been a little lazy, so I'm happy to be back. Um, Clemson. Clemson was really, really good. Um, had a buddy, Matt O'Leary, come into town. Shout out O'Leary um drove in from atlanta drove the two hours in there and um it was awesome we couldn't get a better day it was like 70 75 degrees and sunny well, Got in there it could have had awesome. a better day if we actually finished the game off but if no, we just add that we had a nice we had a nice three and a half quarters for sure yeah. <laughs> um at any rate, no, it was good. Uh, we we got in there, and, uh, you know, about an hour and a half before the game. It's found like a random spot next to this gas station next to SO Club. Shout out SO Club. Shout dude. out SO Club. So I think uh, we could all co-sign awesome. that. Yep. So, yeah, we, we talked about that last year. We, we went to SO Club. It was the Friday afternoon before the game and met up with a ton of BC alum there. Great food. It was a whole buffet style. I think we had a, a billion Red Bull vodkas. Sounds about it right. Was, it was all the fixes. Yeah. It was it was an awesome day. Great spot. Can't beat it. Oh, it was amazing. It was it was amazing. So uh, yeah, shout out SO Club um, over there. Um, Pre game and whatnot. Everyone was super nice. Um, the, the people were really really good. But um, as we like as we alluded uh, to before, uh, they were really really good when uh, you know Clemson's up and everything's going Clemson's way. Uh, the fans turn into very very. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. 
Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Very um, nasty, um, redneck type type, you know, redneck type people uh, when Clemson's down and they kind of lose all their luster for being nice. So the uh, the Southern hospitality kind of goes to to uh, uh, to crap, if you will. Um, but anyway, it was good. Uh, you know, we, we got a quick lead. Everything was everything was going our way. Um, the fans around us were, were getting a little irritated. We, we may or may not have been cheering a little loud for our boys. Um, you know, so to, to a tune of calling the security, you know, three or four different times and <laughs> wanted us to be politely removed from the stadium uh, for our antics. But uh, hey, lo, I, lo I, behold. after that fake field goal, man, you must have been, go, you must have been going absolutely crazy after that. I mean, how could oh you not? God. And after, yeah, well, not only after the fake field goal and scoring the next play, like mm-hmm. scoring the very, very next play. It was it was unbelievable. Everything seemed to be going our way. Um you know, the people around us were getting a little bit, a, a little bit upset, but in typical BC form, I, what, what really, really put me off was they had a, they had a really big, first of all, all the fans are complete children. I mean, there was some <laughs> phantom, there, there were some phantom calls in there, especially um, that call on Jalen when he returned into the yeah, house. Yeah, it was terrible. Like terrible. Phantom block, phantom block in the back call. So that would have put him. That would have put us up 38 because what was it, 31, 31, 10 and a half? And that would have lost. It was 28, 20, 28. But yeah, yeah, yeah. 28. So that would have put us up. So that would have put that would have put us up 35, 10, and that would have seemingly won the game. Mm-hmm. So it's just like little stuff like that. And I think I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, special teams is going to be something that we're going to have it, it. We're going to have to have it in order to win one of those games. And that was 
where you know we we should have had it and you know looking back at the jumbotron it was just a really really bad call um even the you know childish very fair weather fans around us uh agreed yeah. but uh but you know it's just one of those things you you go up uh you go up 35 10 there into the half you put that game away no matter if you score points in the second half or not so it, just it real quick and, and and let's talk a little bit about the, the game too i mean you had the best seat in the house you're on the 50 yard line it looked like from, yeah. from what you were shit said in may can you put your yeah. can you put your pulse on on what happened in that second half was that just brent venable just outsmarting our offense or, or what happened to our offense that we stagnated so badly um so so from what i saw i i think he kind of i think he kind of got a um well, he's obviously a great defensive coordinator. I, I believe that he got a pretty good idea of what our offensive game plan was going to be. Mm-hmm. We did have a couple of gimmick plays in there um, that obviously led us to some points on that first that first field goal. Um, but what we were doing was seemingly, you know, Max protecting, taking their DNs and their pressure out of it, Max protecting, getting Zay out there one-on-one. Um, their linebackers weren't really sinking very well. So we're getting people, you know, up underneath on some crossers or we're getting them deep, like you know, deep over type things with Zay. I was really, uh, I was really upset that we couldn't really get Hunter involved as much yeah. as I would have liked. Um, it just seemed like we, we kind of, they, they kind of took him out of the game, which put a lot of pressure on um, those really, really slow developing max protect two man routes. Yeah. Um, Obviously, when we, I mean, we ran the ball a little bit more effectively, but it's still something that's not threatening enough to, you know, have anyone bite on. So, yeah. I mean, we have to run the ball a lot more effectively, offensively, to go ahead and, and get those routes where we want them. I love our combinations because it's, we're not just max. I mean, we're not just max. In fact, we do go in a lot of four wide sets and stuff. Um, what I do, what what's really, really disheartening is, what we've kind of prided ourselves is in our run game and being able to like really grind teams down. And that would have been a game to do it. it yep. We had a big, you know, we have a big lead and to really go ahead and take the air on the ball would have been massive in that we've game. We've seen so many times where, and hate to even say the word Adazio, but you know, when we had a run heavy offense, the way that it can just absolutely brutalize an opponent and yep. stay in these long drives, like in, a, in the pit game last year with AJ, it comes to mind, right? Where you can put together yeah. these seven or eight minute drives, 15 play drives, where you can just completely put the opponent out of, out of contention. And if we had one of those drives on, uh, you know, against Clemson a couple weeks ago, that might have been the difference. It, it definitely would have. So, I mean, it's a catch 22. Yes, we had 30, you know, we ended up scoring, uh, you know, a good amount of points. But at the end of the day, when you need to sustain those drives, when you need to really wind down and really grind down a defense, especially like that, which you get a couple of turnovers, you get a couple of picks, you get a couple of like, you know, big offensive quick drives in the back of the field. If you get a couple of, you know, sacks, that's the type of defense that just feeds off of that. And if you can't just go ahead and hit them in the mouth and go right at them, then they're going to they're gonna go ahead on third and longs, like I did, the, like I did the Jerko. I mean, I mean, you get we get in third and long and second and long, like we were at that at that point in the game. You just saw those DNs getting wide, wide nines and just having their way with our with our O line. I mean, I think I think for the most part they did okay, but there were. I mean, we still have to improve in that area, which um, I'm kind of at a loss. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a communication thing. I don't know if it's a scheme thing. I don't know if it's just people in the wrong place thing. It's it's something that by now should be fixed or should be gelling. 
especially with a unit that's been together for so long versus it just looks like sometimes they're a little bit lost. And I mean, one-on-one, they, I mean, they're, they're talented enough to be okay, but we, we pretty much had all of our big chunk plays where we had a little bit of help from, whether it was a chip from a running back, whether it was having Hunter stay in or, or one of the tight ends staying in max protecting getting Zay out there. Um, even Jalen had a decent game, like getting in space, um, running after the catch and stuff. <laughs> Excuse me, but it, it's just one of those things where, in that point in time, you have a lead like that, you have to pound the ball. Right. Um, I mean, you don't have to throw on first down all the time, but it's it's to a point where you know maybe throw like a quick hit or funnel screen or something like that, getting second and seven, second and six, and then run, you know, run some type of. I mean, they, we were trying to run. There were there were some plays, and I remember one specifically. I know I had a couple of triple Tito sodas before, but <laughs> I remember. <laughs> I do remember a couple a couple of drives in the second half that we were trying to run these like pro style like outside stretch zone plays to the field, which means like the boundaries of the short side of the field. So at the near half, they were trying to run these stretch zone plays to like the to the wide side of the field, which with a, with a defense and with, with that much speed and and that you know that much uh, they they just rally so you know so quickly to the ball. We just could not get an edge. First of all, our running back. I mean, our running backs are very, very talented, but we're just not fast enough to get and seal that edge off for him to get around it. Right. So they were just eating that up. I mean, they were just eating that up completely. We're we're a power run game, like gut zone. We need to just we need to have these hitters that are just the runs that we did do well with those traps, those those quick outside like those outside zones to the boundary where there's minimal space over there that we can kind of play in a phone booth. Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, we we struggle in space and it's, it's yeah. no. It's not a big deal. You just need to kind of recognize your. You kind of you need to be self aware and recognize where where you're good and not good. And we just having those stretch runs up, like having those stretch run plays to the to the field. It's great if you have someone with a lot of wiggle and stuff. But our guys are such ground and pound that they're they're you know put the foot in the ground and go. So those outside zones just weren't. It was really frustrating to me seeing that and just getting these loss of these these tremendous losses on a you know second and manageable that it kind of put us in a bind. And so if we had those, I think if our play calling could have been a little bit more North South and it's, we needed to do a better job of clock management, knowing yeah. where we were. Yeah. And we, we just talked about this too, right? I mean, the, the play calling to me is it's too predictable and it's not complimentary enough of the skill sets that we have. We know that we have this old line. We know we have these bowling ball running backs and uh, I'm a broken record at this point. So I'll stop talking about it, Matt, but um you know, it, it just seems like if we can just – if the, the offense has all the talent in the world and at times we're getting outcoached, it seems like we're too predictable, we're too one-dimensional. And- yeah, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't go I wouldn't go and say there, there, there's no coach. I would just like to see a little bit – I mean, use a pro style that would be more of like a Baltimore Ravens pro style. I know we don't have that type of quarterback, but like like take, take that type of – like, you know, take Hunter and motion him and, and get him off the line and maybe even get him in like a fullback – type set so like motion them back into like a strong or I type thing and just get an ISO going get something that's going to be or just like a split zone going where like our lineman can climb to a to a our lineman our guard for instance can climb to a linebacker where in that three technique is just cut off by hunter mm-hmm. so we can just take so it's a, it's a good angle for hunter to go again and get a kill shot and we get up north and south and we get big on big with uh you know one of our like, one of our guards on uh, a linebacker coming right up so there's, there's different ways to get him involved in the run game i just think like our run game 
our pass game is amazing. I think our pass game, our route concepts are awesome. Our our run game is real vanilla. And our yeah. blocking schemes up front are just real vanilla. And we're not taking advantage of angles. And I hate to say it, but Adagio is really, really good with angles and, and different blocking schemes that could that could complement, you know, less talented linemen. But we have the talented linemen now. We need to get into more of a creative blocking scheme, whether it's more of split zone types things, maybe even motion hunter or a bigger body back to, to an eye type deal or like a strong or weak eye and run something off tackle. I don't know. Like there, there's so many ways to skin the cat. I just feel like we're just so vanilla in that part of our game and our path, but there's no reason why we have to be. I mean, our past game is what it is and it's amazing and it's better than it's ever been, but we just can't, if, when we get these leads, I mean, we're getting these shootouts and that's just not, I mean, we have been able to do it, but that's just not the way we're going to win games. I mean, BC's never, BC's never won games that way. So what about the angle, uh, and, and this will segue into Notre Dame nicely. Is there, you know, credence to the fact that, all right, these guys just played in, you know, an absolute dogfight against the number one team in the country on national TV. Everyone was talking about it all week. And, and you know, is there an element that sticks with these players from almost a fearlessness perspective that now we have essentially the same thing coming up this Saturday against Notre Dame? These guys aren't afraid anymore. They were there. Yeah, they didn't no. finish the job, but now they're they're ready to go and, and again, ready to do it all over again. Absolutely. So I was I was just going to get into that. I mean, these we essentially, I mean, at any at no point in the game did Notre Dame have a twenty eight ten lead right. on Clemson, right. and we did. So if I was halfway, if I'm in that locker room, I'd be like, boys, like first of all, we're at home, we're not away. We don't. First of all, there, there's gonna be no fans there. We're not gonna have to deal with the fans. I mean, it wasn't that loud, but it was still you know, some fan noise that they're not used to. I mean, whether it's 20, I mean, whether it was 20,000 people or, you know, 80,000 people, they're still not used to fans. So um, even just having that little bit of a, of a change up is going to help them tremendously. It's not, I mean, we've, they've already been on that stage at a, you know, the most viewership that of any football right. game on that weekend. Every, all eyes were on that game. I mean, they showed up and they, they, they literally kicked them in the teeth for two and a half quarters. Now, I mean, we held on from that. I'm not going to give them three or even more than that because we were just kind of holding on to like, okay, like let's let's run the clock out versus like, no, we got to score again or we got to get a big stop. There just wasn't enough stops at the end. But these guys have been in this this situation before. I believe with, I mean, Notre Dame has a really, really talented defense, but the offense is not even as close to a talented, even with Yui Young Yulele or whatever, that guy's a five-star, uh, you know, I mean, he's a five-star quarterback. He's going to be the first overall pick when he comes in two or three years. So, I mean, he'd be starting for 125 other teams if Trevor Lawrence wasn't the quarterback. So it's like, this kid's no scrub. So they went in there and they took it to a the number one team in the country for almost three quarters. There's no reason why we can't go and control the game you know, maybe get a run game going, put up some points on ND and just completely take away a more subpar offense, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And Matt, I'll let you dive in in more detail because I want to just give my quick analysis from the jump here. Here's kind of my thoughts, my keys to the game. Uh, number one, first key, it's the Red Bandana game. As Sean can attest to, we don't lose in the Red Bandana game. Also, this is the first time we've actually worn, you know, full Red Bandana uniforms. So that's key number one is just do that. Uh, key number two, Matt, uh, Notre Dame is, is – 
absolutely credit to where it's due. They're much better than I anticipated throughout the year. I think we've been on them being frauds all year long, and, and they actually did show up and, and prove to be a, a good football team. So I did not see that coming. That said, Ian Book looks like, just strictly on looks alone, the single biggest douchebag in the history of college football. Like I, I was just watching on Saturday night, infuriated at this person. And then you saw after the fact his you know, Instagram after Jerko left and all that, you know, all the, all the shade that he was throwing. And then Matt, key number three, Brian Kelly's midweek trash talk to, to Jerko. This is a game that Phil has had circled on his calendar since the day he got his you know transfer papers to BC. And what you're seeing is just continuing to pour gas on the fire. And I, I don't know. I just feel like this is one of these all time, again, national TV, 330, red bandana, Notre Dame number two in the country. It just feels like a game that we that we have to win. Yeah, no, no question. Um, uh, you know, you, you brought up a lot of good points. I, I do want to do an investigation to Brian Kelly. Um, he's obviously terrified of this game to the fact that, I, and maybe there's a little bit of a conspiracy theory, but I think he pretty much told the fans to go ahead and storm the field in hopes that they would get COVID, right. in hopes that there would be a COVID event yep. and this game would get canceled. Brian Kelly wants nothing to do with this game. There's so many elements. We, we, we talked, everyone's been talking all week about the history, 1993. You know, last time Notre Dame beat the number one team in the country, David Gordon, the field goal kick happened, right? Everyone's drawn a lot of parallels to, to, you know, this year, same thing, right? You have the Jericho story. You have the red bandana. I mean, and Sean, why don't you talk a little bit about the red bandana? Obviously, you were part of that USC team that I think it was the inaugural game, right? Can you just talk a little bit about you know what the red, red bandana means and what, what happened inside that locker room, how amped, up, how amped up you guys get for it and all that? No, the red bandana game, it's, like very, it's a very emotional game. Um, we actually did it more towards, I think it was more towards September 11th, I want to say, I believe. At any rate, it was um, it, it's a very, very emotional game. The entire week, you're looking at videos of, of you know Wells Crowther and everything you did. Um, you're, you're preparing. It's usually a big, big game, nationally televised game. You know, you're getting the new unis in there. Um, you know, it, 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 there's a lot of emotion going into this, especially, um, you know, having Wells' parents come into the locker room. I believe they're going to be there. I know they've been there every year, but Mrs. Crowder, well, I, b- I believe, I think she had a message on, I don't know if with the co with COVID what's going to happen, but Mrs. Crowder had a nice video on, on Twitter. Yeah. Earlier today. So just that, just that whole week, I mean, it's setting up for, I mean, cause you know, USC, I, I believe, I mean, they were a top 10 team in the country coming in. It's the, it, it's setting the stage for the same thing. Um, you know, USC was coming in here. We just wanted to beat them in the worst way and just put on an absolute show. And it, it's it's one of those things where you just get a little extra this game. Um, it, there's a feeling that I, I can't even describe, mm-hmm. um, you know, in that locker room before. Just hyper-focus. All practice week is hyper-focus. Um you know, everyone is kind of pulling from the same row. Everyone is just on, you know, if you're focused, if you have focus for a Clemson game, they're going to be extra focused for this game. Um, but with, with Wells' parents coming in and just all the things you saw on his, selfless, his selflessness and, you know, what he meant to, you know, all those people that he saved, you know, how he represented the school, how we want to represent the school, um, and kind of honoring him in this game, you, you just get a little extra. So with you have to kind of reel it in because you can kind of essentially, you know, go over and uh, you, know, you can really wipe yourself out and, and, and really uh, punch yourself out at first if you don't kind right. of reel it in and keep your emotions intact. But I know it's a little different because they're not going to have fans and stuff, but I just remember the fireworks going off and mm-hmm. everyone with the red bandanas, it was unbelievable. Um, 
but yeah so it was um god i'm getting a little like emotional right now <laughs> but no these kids uh yeah these kids um they, they know they know what's on the line they know that there's gonna be a little bit extra and uh you know what better what better way to honor him is to go beat notre dame at home you know no question. And we've seen so many times, you know, something special happens on the field a lot of times. And, you know, start with USC, but you talk about the Miami game a couple of years ago, Florida State a couple of years ago. Um, you know, these guys, these guys bring their A game on red bandana night. So, uh, anything can happen. Absolutely. And, and halfway, I mean, this is, this is a, this is a kitchen sink game. So this is everything in your playbook, everything that you can come up with. They're going to throw the kitchen sink. There's no, hiding any plays or oh we can't show them this because we have this person down the line no this is like our last like right. essentially like our last big big game like we don't care who sees what he who sees whatever we're doing this is going to be a kitchen sink we're gonna, we're, i believe we're going to blitz the hell out of them i believe we're going to throw a bunch of gadget plays in there there's going to be a there's going to be some big plays in there um i think the kids the kids are going to be fired up i think um I think 13 and a half is a steal, boys. Yeah, I, we've, we've lost a lot of money on, on taking BC. Well, so we talked about this earlier. We win every game when we play a, a better team. Like when we're, when we're underdogs, we've won every bet we make. The problem is when we're favored, we buy the lineup like 20 oh. points and we get absolutely destroyed. <laughs> so that's neither here nor there. Um, Matt, I would love to get some of your analysis. I know that you've put a lot of time in watching film uh, on these guys. Like hate watching. You're torturing yourself watching this Notre Dame <laughs> film. But I would love to hear what you've taken away so far. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when, when you said, unfortunately, these guys are kind of the real deal. And everyone saw, you know, against that very good Clemson team, it doesn't matter that Lawrence was out, right? DJU is, is pretty solid. And uh, I know they were banged up defensively, right? But, um, you know, Notre Dame just beats you in the trenches. And that's that's really, you know, really how they do it. I mean, they have probably the best offensive line in the country. Um, but it's not just the row line. It's also their tight ends. They have a mini Gronk that um, absolutely destroys people. That running back, who's one of the best running backs in the country, um, he's a great he's great in pass protection as well. He's a total package. They're very, they're pretty much like a much better Virginia Tech, and I hate to say that, but they're they're a much better Virginia Tech, and Virginia Tech beat us by a billion. So, uh, you know that's that's my concern. Uh, I think our offense, we, we really have to figure out something in, in the passing game because they have one of the best uh, rush defenses in the country as well. They held ETN to just twenty eight yards. Um, it's going to be to see what what type of uh, you know uh, blitz blitzes that Kelly draws up because obviously he knows Jericho's tendencies from the last couple of years of practice, um, so they kind of have an inside scoop on potentially how to beat him. Um, not that he got on the field all that much, but um, I do think we, we might have some insight on the back end on you know maybe Jericho has some 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 of Kelly's tendencies right and, and Tommy Reese tendency tendencies if that's if that's even a thing. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, their their offensive line is elite, and and you know they run at well on teams. And they, I think it was the first play of the game against Notre Dame where they you know it was they took it eighty yards to the house, right? So, um, you know, it's really going to have to be the Jericho show. On the other side of the ball, our front seven is going to have to play the game of their lives. We need Isaiah McDuffie. There's no question about that. Um, and we have to learn from our mistakes against Virginia Tech, and you know. Like Sean was saying, in these upsets, you know, you got to win the turnover battle. Something's got to happen on special teams, um, and you need a little bit of luck. So, so that's my analysis. We have a lot of things going for us, but this is one of those few times where I'll say Notre Dame doesn't deserve to be, you know, necessarily a top five team, but they're at least a top ten team. 
Um, and I actually believe the hype with them this year, even with that that asshole Ian Book. Yeah, it's it, it's really a shame, and and I'm kind of with you in the my concern column. Uh, it is we're just we've never been great against running teams this year. Um, for that's that's been our biggest weakness throughout the year. We saw it with Virginia Tech, and and frankly, we saw it with Clemson as well. I think ATN was was obviously the bigger issue there than uh, DJU. So you know, it, it, it's definitely concerning because our pass defense has been lights out. I would say for you know with, with few exceptions. Um, but you know, it is what it is. And again, I think that, that it is these, these weird games where, you know, there's a lot of things kind of extracurricularly going on. It's a rivalry game. You throw out the record book on a rivalry game. You got the Jerko factor. You got the red bandana factor. I don't know. It just feels like, uh, uh, you know, one of these kind of wonky throw the, throw everything at him games. You know, like Sean said, kitchen sink, I'm, I'm feeling really good. I, I guess I'll save my prediction, but I have a funny feeling that the BC is going to have more points than Notre Dame in my prediction. I just want to say that much. Yeah. I, I just honestly, overall, I, I, I mean, they're all, their own line is definitely elite. I would just, I would just love to see if, um, you know, Tim can throw, I mean, I would just like to see how they handle movement. I mean, a lot of college old lines, they just don't handle twists and movement that well. So if we can get, you know, some, some type of movement up front and whatnot and get a little, get a little bit of combination stuff going, I'd like to see how they handle that. Um, maybe just, throw a monkey wrench into a couple of the zone block, you know, not the zone blocking, a couple of zone blitzes that we had um, that were very successful against Clemson. I would like to see just a couple of, just more movement on the, on the D line. I would like to just see like more, um, you know, just, just more flat step, just more, you know, just more combinations with some delayed, uh, you know, delayed loopers and stuff like that. I, I don't see enough of that. Yeah. I don't really see any of that. I just wish we could have this more of like, you know, maybe some delay blitzes, um, you know, just adding on from the linebackers and stuff just because, you know, send four and then just have kind of one hanging out and then just seeing where the center sets or whatever, just send, you know, McDuffie or, or Max in there just to add on. Um, we just got to gamble this game big time. We, we, we have to gamble. Um, but yeah, they, they, they do a good job on the defensive side of the ball for sure. Um, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to figure out if we can if we can man up and at least get some sort of running game, some deceptive running game going, get them up the field on some draws or or, or something mm-hmm. um, to kind of neutralize that because they get a lot of push with four guys, a lot of push yeah. with three guys. They get a lot of push with three. So when you when you have that kind of push with three guys, you're gonna have to you know neutralize it and then run up the field some way to, you know, do some draw game, do some screen game, get some funnel screens to Jalen or Zay. Um, got to get Hunter more involved. He wasn't involved a lot. I mean, He's been quiet lately. Got to get him. I mean, even, even something like a, like a tight end screen, like looping, you know, looping, letting, letting those guys go through and just kind of just throwing a little, throwing a little tight end screen there. Doing like kind of get him like Kelsey involved there. Just try to get him like uh, Travis Kelsey's involved with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Got to have him involved because we need we need him to to win that game. Like he's going to yep. be the deciding factor to win this game, in my opinion. He's he's going to have to block well on the edge. We're going to have to seal that edge, get on the edge, and, and run on those outside zones. Just get up there quickly and try to add on and get numbers. Um, he's going to have to help with those DNs and then climb over to a little linebacker. He's going to have to be Superman this game, and he's going to be the key, I believe, to win. Um, and then defensively, we're going to have to be staunch up front. It's going to be no four or five yards at a time. We're going to have to create negative plays, put them in third and long, and let our and let our DBs just hop back there. Um, if we can do that, we will we will win this game and uh, take the air to ball the end at the end. What's your uh, what's your prediction? You got a score? 
Yes, I do. I have a score. It's going to be 31-28 Eagles. Let's go. second field goal. Last second field goal at 42 yards. Let's for the win. go. I have it's a like simple. I, so that's that's what I got. You're, this score is going to look familiar to anyone that recognized the 1993 score. I got Eags 41, Notre Dame 39. Same thing. Walk off field goal. Boomer 50 something yarder with the walk off. We shut down their run game. That is the key. That's- it's actually it's actually like using Brian Kelly what he did with Travis Etienne. He said, "I'm going to make uh, uh, DJ you beat us." And to be fair, he did, but they, you know, Notre Dame was able to score more points. I think we got to employ the same exact game plan. We have to make Ian Book beat us with his arm because I don't think he can do that. So if we do that defensively, and Jericho has the game of his life, we have X Factors and Zay and Hunter and Jalen, and the list goes on. CJ Lewis, right? We got enough weapons where we can be dangerous on offense. We got to get above 30. I'd like to see our offense get above 30 points, um, and now's a perfect time to do it. So 41 39. And Eag shocked the world. Yeah, I swear to God we didn't uh, coordinate this, but we're all uh, shockingly in the uh, – and maybe that's unsurprising because obviously we're not going to pick Notre Dame in this game. I'm going Eags 38, Notre Dame 36. I'm going a shorter field goal. I'm going, again, last second, but I'm going it's like 25 yards. Like we're not that worried about the field. I mean, we're obviously terrified of because we're down one, but it's a little bit more relaxing than being down one and needing a 52-yard prayer. But same thing. I just think there are too many things extracurricularly going on in our favor this game that it just feels like a game that, that we have to win. And I, and I really do trust have to build on the Clemson experience. And, and, you know, if there's anyone who's great at, at figuring out a way to stop top rated offenses, it's half all day long. So I love the Eagles on, yeah. on Saturday. And I, I think that it's going to be a, uh, to quote uh, whoever the announcer was during the U- USC game, a red letter day on, on red bandana night. So feeling really good about this one. There you go. All right, folks, you heard it here first. It's Eagles victories across the board. You get the fourth and dude sweep. And uh, let's make it happen this weekend. All right. Thanks again to our sponsors, Armchair, Eagle Insider, Bet Online, Manscaped. I don't know if there's anyone we missed, but I feel like that covers it. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fourth and dude. Uh, thanks again for listening. Sean, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, Sean. No problem. No problem. I'm going to get a special shout out to James McGovern. James McGovern was the bro. He had 50th birthday at Clemson. We ripped a bunch of green tee shots for his birthday. He was a guy with the eagle head. Um, absolute legend. Uh, just had to give a shout out to him. And I actually am going to try to get boots on the ground at the game. I love it. Either in an office or something like that. I have to get to this game. You got so connections. I have to watch it. I feel like you got connections. I, I feel like you can, you can figure that one out. Barry Gallup, if you're listening, I need your help or somebody in that damn office. I need. We'll shoot J Bomb a nut. We'll get it from all angles. We're gonna have to figure it out. So I'm gonna start making some phone calls tomorrow. All right, I love it. <laughs> Thanks again for listening, everyone. Feels like a, a great day to be an Eagle. Get in, folks.